0: Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy, a Star Trek podcast told through the lens of leadership development. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. This time, we get another Voyager episode. I realize we're just 16 episodes into this podcast, and this is only the fourth episode of Voyager that we've watched, but Chainway is really my front runner for best captain. Maybe not favorite, necessarily, but best. Now, I'm disqualifying Giorgio from consideration since she only lasted two episodes, but she was absolutely great in those. Janeway has nailed it each time so far. So let's see if that continues as we watch Season 4, Episode 22 of Voyager, Unforgettable. We start off with Voyager looking for more deuterium. This is going to be a theme for us for a while? Hmm. Paris and Chakotay are poking a little fun at Harry Kim. Earlier in the season, he started developing well, a a crush on Seven of Nine. So Tom Paris takes an opportunity to throw some jabs at him. So, you're going to realign your sensors with Sevens. Sounds like fun. (laughs) Very funny. Okay, let's let's just get into this. Chakotay is there, playing along a a little, kind of, and Janeway's on the bridge. This really brought up for me, the struggle between playing around and toxicity in the workplace. I feel like this could veer a little into the world of hazing, but, but frankly, there's going to be other episodes that we can better look into that. Here, we have some good-natured teasing going on, right? And is it okay? Like, is this okay in the workplace? I mean, I guess that's it. That's the whole question. Is that okay? Now, maybe this is a little more complicated because the Voyager crew lives where they work. Is the behavior that Tom Paris is exhibiting here, is what he said, okay? Now, if I put my HR hat on, which I really do not like doing, but one of the costs of doing business, I suppose. Toby is in HR, which technically means he works for corporate so he's really not a part of our family. But with my HR hat on, yeah, this presents at minimum as inappropriate workplace behavior and at most sexual harassment. But I don't want to just boil this down to an HR issue. In fact, I think that's a cop-out. I want to look at what is happening here, like really happening here. Paris waits for Chakotay to step away before dropping the line. But I want, I want to believe that his intention is, is positive. His intention is to share a moment and have some fun with his buddy Harry Kim, but the execution is—it's just not okay. Now, maybe, maybe we can excuse this as being of the time, but this was 1998. Weren't we a little more sophisticated at that point? Maybe. Well, maybe not. So, how could this have gone down differently? I really see kind of two sides to that. First, how could the people around them responded to that, and second. How could Paris have approached it differently? When someone is put into an uncomfortable situation, they, they can totally respond to that, but they don't need to. It is, not, it is not the victim's job to defend themselves. Now if Kim felt that he could respond, he, he could have said something like, Come on Tom, that wasn't cool. I really like Seven and I don't appreciate it when you make me feel like that's silly. But again, don't assume that that is something that needs to happen. It is not incumbent on the victim to address the perp. Yeah, I said perp. What should have happened was for Chakotay or Janeway, Tuvok, or, or any of the officers on the bridge to have stepped in and done something. They could have simply redirected Paris away from Kim and spoken with him later. This creates a safe place for Harry right away. They could have interrupted and used humor to ultimately redirect Tom and again create a safe place for Harry. Yeah, Tom, aligning sensors sure is a lot of work. (laughs) Ha ha ha. And then move him back towards his station. Or they could have just straight up stepped in. Mr. Paris, that was not appropriate. Period. Just put a stop to the situation and address his behavior later in private. That last step should happen regardless of the immediate response. Or the whole thing could have just been avoided. Tom could have just left it alone. Like, like that would have been probably the best possible situation, right? Or he could have said something maybe more supportive, like, hey, the XO just ordered you to spend more time with Seven. Isn't that what you said you wanted to do anyway? Really though, it's probably just best again to just just, just leave it alone and not say anything. With all of that acknowledged, there's a lesson here that isn't related to HR. As a leader, it's okay to support a work environment that is fun. One where people can form personal connections, make appropriate jokes, and enjoy themselves. When it's time to get to business, you all get to business. Just like the bridge crew does here. Janeway and Chakotay have created a work environment where these things happen. People are having fun and they're forging personal connections, but they're focusing on the work when the time comes to do that. It'd just be great if the fun they were having was appropriate and supportive. Now that fun is interrupted by two cloaked ships engaged in a battle with Voyager caught in the middle. One ship blows up and the second hails Voyager specifically asking for Chicote. Chicote, please, I need your help. Nothing about this rings a bell for him. He doesn't know how this person could know who he was. I'm Tom. Henry. Marlon. Doug. see Hot. Oh, those are cool flip-flops. Where'd you get them? You like those? It's an interesting story. I was over on the north door the other day. Hi, I'm Tom. Their ship is failing under the damage from the battle, so Kim attempts to beam the person over, but he can't get a lock on her. Chakotay and an away team head over to to mount a rescue. Even when they arrive, their tricorders and sensors are having a hard time registering this person, even though they they can see her right there. Chakotay rescues her from under a bulkhead, and they beam directly to sickbay. In Sick Bay, the mystery continues. Doctor scans her, but the data disappears immediately. But he's able to visually diagnose her and says that she'll she'll eventually be okay. Janeway's there and begins to question her once she regains consciousness, but but she immediately requests asylum. Please. I need asylum. Janeway doesn't immediately agree, but she does commit to hearing more and investigating her claims. This leaves Chakotay alone with her, and she seems very comforted by this. She has a warmth and and relaxation level that, that hints at deep familiarity. Chakotay, though, is very much in Starfleet officer mode. He's friendly but suspicious. He tries to learn more from her. She says that they've met before. She's a Ramurin, and her name is Kellen. Ramurin's apparently a metapheromone that causes other species to forget about them after a short time. They also block many technologies. Right, Lucy, these are your brain scans here. I'm afraid they show no improvement. The temporal lobe was severely damaged in the accident. But what we believe is the scar tissue here is impairing your ability to convert short-term memory into long-term memory while you sleep. They're a very insular species, and they don't allow people to leave their society. She says that about a month ago, she spent a few weeks on Voyager. Chakotay helped her, and then she left. Chakotay, Chakotay's not really buying it. What she's saying doesn't explain why she returned to Voyager, apparently putting herself in danger. And then, then she drops the bomb. I came back because I fell in love with you. He meets with the senior staff and updates them on what he's learned. The Romerans don't allow people to leave their society. She was a tracer, a bounty hunter that sought out people that, that, that tried a runaway. That's what she says. When she was here on Voyager, she was looking for a runaway, and apparently the crew helped her. She also said that a computer virus was introduced to remove all record of her and the runaway. Cote is highly suspicious and orders them to check the logs for tampering and to check Kellen's ship and audit her navigation records. Janeway is also skeptical. She dismisses everyone except Chakotay and asks why he is so suspicious. She agrees they should do their due diligence as granting asylum is no small decision. There was a real art to what she did here. She knows Chakotay very well, and she's observing that he's a lot more suspicious than he normally would be. Like a good captain, she wants to know why, but knowing that Kellen hailed him by name at the outset of this, and wanting to allow Chakotay to share as much as possible, she clears the room so he can speak candidly and in private. Then she opens the dialogue by agreeing with him. I agree we should take precautions. This sets him at ease. She's not after him, she's not upset, or anything like that. Then she shares her observation and asks what's up. They end with an action item, an agreement on how to proceed. Nothing really earth-shattering was shared here, but what if there was something? What if, when they were alone in sickbay, she threatened to blow up Voyager? If certain conditions weren't met. I, I don't know. It was something extreme like like that, or? Or what if what if she was blackmailing Chakotay? Something along those lines. Janeway created a space where Chakotay could share anything in confidence, and she did so with grace and without calling any additional attention to him. Kellen is with Tuvok and Seven. They confirmed that her ship traveled with Voyager for about two weeks. Two weeks. Excuse me. Uh, two weeks. They dig deeper, and she obliges their requests. Chakotay comes in and invites her to eat. Seven observes that Chakotay's face flushed when he spoke with Kellen. Commander Chakotay's face became flushed as he spoke with her. What does that signify? You see, Seven has been Borg since she was six years old. She has a lot to learn about adult-human interactions. This leads to some pretty fun moments throughout the, throughout the rest of the series. Kellen and Chakotay get some food from Neelix. She seems to know a lot more about Chakotay than someone would in just two weeks. You hate carrots, fried food upsets your stomach, and you refuse to eat pudding because you think it's slimy. Despite that, Chakotay learns more about their past. They show this through some flashbacks. Now, I don't know much about Ramurans, but their hair must grow at an alarming rate. In these flashbacks from like a month ago, her hair is like easily three inches shorter. As she tells the story, she keeps focusing on the relationship between them and and Chicote, and Chicote just wants the facts. And you keep trying to talk about your feelings. I'd rather you stick to the events, not the emotions surrounding them. He gets a little harsh and says their past relationship, real or not, didn't exist as far as he's concerned. Things start to get a little more intense, but then the meetup is interrupted as the Tracers seem to have found Kellen and they're firing on Voyager. They're cloaked, and they have highly focused weapons that bypass their shields. Kellen modifies their sensors so they can detect the Remurin vessels. Janeway quietly puts Chakotay on the spot. She says that if they fire on them, they're granting asylum. This is the moment, Chakotay. Either we give her up, or we fire back. Which one is it? Fire. But right there, she lets Chakotay make the call. He says to grant asylum, so she fires on the ships, targeting their weapons. It's a success in the ship's retreat. Another great and subtle moment from Janeway. She's good one way or another. Grant Asylum and fire, or don't and hand her over. She assigned Chakotay to investigate Kellen's claims and trusts that he's done so. She allows him to make the call and immediately takes action based on his assessment. Kellen thanks them, but lets them know the conflict is not over. Tracers are not going to give up. Janeway, though, sticks to her word. Kellen and Chakotay go to permanently modify the sensors so they'll be able to detect their ships when they come back for her. Later on, Chakotay stops by Neelix's to get some tea or something to help him relax. Neelix settles into the Guinan role here. He says it's clear that Kellen has feelings for him. Does he have feelings for her? He asks if it's Kellen that Chakotay doesn't trust. Or is it himself? Does he not trust his feelings? Pondering the advice in his quarters, Chakotay answers the door. And invites kellen in she lays it out she came back for chakotay she wants she wants a relationship with him if he doesn't want one she'll turn herself into the tracers She doesn't want to put the ship at risk unnecessarily so please be honest if you feel nothing for me just tell me and i'll leave and he asks her to stay is walking down the corridor with tuvok who's trying out his comedy chops she's a trained expert in weaponry surveillance fighting skills any idea where she might fit in? All the qualities you mentioned would help in defending Neelix against the periodic wrath of the crew. He suggests Kellen join his security detail due to her experience. Dubak agrees and assigns her to work with Kim and Seven working on a defense against the Remerns weapons. The trio come up with a strategy and approach to mounted defense, scattering the proton beams. When Kellen heads out to review their findings, Seven observes that her face flushed when Kim mentioned Chakotay. This leads to one of the best exchanges in all of Star Trek as Harry Kim tries to explain to Seven of Nine why getting to know someone before the act of procreation is a good idea. Explain. It's, it's usually considered a good idea if two people get to know each other a little before they become intimate. Why is that? Because it's more comfortable. You spend some time together, you laugh, you talk. That makes it easier to to get closer. But the end result is the same, is it not? Well, I guess so. Then I fail to see what is accomplished by all the talk. Seven, if you don't get it, then I can't explain it to you. Obviously. So, so good. Helen's getting paranoid and she comes to Chakotay. As she's explaining her concerns, a tracer reveals himself and blasts her with a neurolytic emitter. That will cause her to lose all of her recent memories. The Tracer is non-combative and they take him to the brig. Kellan goes to sickbay and she asks Chakotay to do for her what she did for him, remind her of their relationship if she forgets him. In the brig, Chakotay crosses a line. He takes down the force field. He almost assaults the Tracer. he He wants to reverse the memory loss. The Tracer, though, calmly explains that he doesn't know if it can be and he reinforces that he is operating within the laws of his society. He basically says that once the memory loss is complete, he's really sure that Kellen will willingly return home. Chakotay goes to her quarters. She's polite, she's cordial, but she has no idea who he is. Do I know you? He explains that they're in love, and that she should stay. She stays remarkably cool through this, but chooses to return with the tracer. Chakotay leaves her quarters, clearly hurt, and heartbroken. After they leave, Chakotay's in the mess. He's got a pen and paper and is writing what all happened. He doesn't want to forget this time. He's struggling, but he's working his way through the loss. This leads to Neelix giving a pretty trite love is a mystery monologue. Commander, I don't think you can analyze love. It's the greatest mystery of all. Okay, maybe that wasn't fair of me. I'm sure somebody found his little speech touching. I'm just not that someone. The episode ends with Chakotay alone and finishing his journal. So this episode answers the question, what would it look like if two 12-year-old boys wrote an episode of Star Trek with a romantic relationship? (laughs) I mean, God bless Virginia Madsen, it had to be painful to work through some of that dialogue. But that being said, she was awesome. She owned it. I don't know if she's a fan or not, but I have to believe she was excited to be on Star Trek and wanted to make the most out of it. I guess that's what you can expect when you're working with Princess Irulan. A beginning is a very delicate time. Some of the lines through this. You might be interested in hearing about our last night together. Oh, this one. I told you I... I cared very much for you, and then I wanted something to remember you by, and then I did this. Yeah, a lot of this was—it's was, just uncomfortable to watch. But the acting, again, it was great. Madsen, Beltran—they—they they did the absolute best anyone could with what they were giving. Back in my pro wrestling days, we called this making chicken salad out of chicken. Sh- In the episode, they tease at an interesting society and culture. We have a strong and cohesive society because of our efforts to keep it that way. A few runaways among millions hardly indicates a problem. If there are so few, why not let them go? That would suggest that we don't care about them. What a terrible message. The tracer in the brig has such conviction in his beliefs. It would have been cool to dive into this, but nope. Instead, instead, we we got this. Seven of Nine is is awesome. Such a cool concept for a character and played perfectly by Jerry Ryan. Her back and forth with Harry Kim is great. I actually rewatched that little scene, I think, three times in a row. Voyager as a series is pretty infamous for mishandling the Chakotay character really enjoyed him in this episode, though, and that's mostly because Robert Beltran is great, and he really took advantage of a character-based episode that's focused on him. All in all, I'd say this episode is very poorly named. Change it to forgettable, and that pretty much sums up how I feel about it. Command codes verified. I want to address a controversial topic that's related to the HR issue we brought up at the top of this episode. It's toxic masculinity. Shepard Bliss, a professor at John F. Kennedy University back in the late 80s, identified five behaviors that define toxic masculinity. Extreme self-reliance or the need to do everything on your own. Shame and avoidance of emotional expression. Extreme aspiration for physical, sexual, and intellectual dominance. Devaluation of women's opinions, bodies, and their sense of self. Condemning anything feminine within another man. Now, I'm a Gen Xer. I was born in the mid-70s. I grew up in the time of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But I was also young when society started to shift away from this mentality. Now, I say started to shift. Here we are decades later, and this is still the reality for a lot of people. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to do a whole episode on this topic. Frankly, I don't have the qualifications to do so. But I want to touch on two of the five uh, behaviors that are in Shepard Bliss's list. In this episode, we saw the fourth behavior, devaluing a woman's body, when Tom Paris was poking fun at Harry Kim. If Tom respected Seven and respected the dignity of her body and her sense of self, he wouldn't have made the comment he did. I mean, it is that simple. The other one I want to touch on wasn't really shown in this episode, but I think it's one that we all run into constantly. That extreme aspiration for dominance. We see this often in the workplace, sometimes in our families, and constantly in politics. I'm going to tell a little bit of my story and my approach and what the difference between someone aspiring for dominance looks like and, well, me. I worked with a very large company, about 10,000 employees across nearly 200 locations. One of the people I worked with is absolutely brilliant. I'd say he's one of the smartest people I've ever known. His work experience and his most recent role are focused on policy, regulation. He isn't leading teams, but he flexes his intellectual muscles to benefit the organization. But for a short time, he did lead a team. He was given an upper management position for one of the more complicated programs that we had. This program has a very unique customer base that tends to be extremely engaged, and very vocal with their opinions. During the time he was in a leadership role, our market penetration dropped dramatically, and the customers that did stick around were angry, and they were telling the world about it. What was interesting, though, was that he thought that the, the, the customers were the problem. They didn't understand what we were doing. They couldn't grasp our value proposition. They wouldn't take the time to comprehend our pricing. Our CAO, to whom he reported, saw things differently though. In fact, he actually asked me to sit in on meetings and stakeholder customer interactions to get my opinion, to see if it validated what he was thinking. And yes, yes it did. What I observed was a person that refused to let anyone in the room even start to be an expert, even almost demonstrate an intellectual understanding. This was a person that could make a 30-minute meeting last two hours, and it was all them talking. It was all them showing everyone just how smart they were. Now, I wasn't a customer. I wasn't even really in the reporting chain with this person, and I was totally turned off by him. Had I been a customer, I would have walked after one, maybe two interactions with him. When you're a leader, it's not your job. be the smartest person. It's your job to bring the smartest people together and enable them to work magic. So my approach, what makes me different from this person? Well, while they dominate a discussion and work to show everyone how smart they are, I tend to keep my mouth shut and I ask a lot of questions. Even if I know all the answers and all the data points behind them, I try to be the least intelligent person at the table. I see my job uh, is to tee others up so they can deliver the winning response. Not only does this engender trust and loyalty on your team, but it also makes it clear that everyone is invited to the table. Everyone's input matters. So how does that story end? Well, no good deed ever goes unpunished, right? I was given leadership of that group for a while, long enough to recruit someone more long-term. In the four-ish months it took to do that, I restored our market penetration. I improved customer engagement by doing exactly what I talked about. I kept my mouth closed, except when asking questions. I let anyone else be the smartest person in the room, and it benefited everyone. All of this to say that toxic masculinity can come in all shapes and sizes and all experiences. If you pay attention to those five behaviors and actively work to counter them, you'll create a much more welcoming and inclusive work environment. Okay, one last piece on toxic masculinity, for, for this episode at least. Go onto YouTube and look up, we believe the best men can be, it's from Gillette. In January, 2019, they put out a short video that encapsulates this beautifully. Well worth your time. In fact, let me play the audio for you. It's, it's just under two minutes. Bullying. The Me the Too violent. movement against toxic sexual harassment. Toxic masculinity. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? What I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something boys. finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. But she says we And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Smile, sweetie. Come on. To say the right thing. To act the right way. Bro, not cool. Not cool. Some already are. In ways big and small. I am strong. I strong. But some is not enough. so how we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today will be the men. Okay, back to the episode. I think Janeway spent maybe, I don't know, five minutes on screen on this one, and she was excellent. So good! We talked about it during the episode, but the two pieces to pull from her are trust and respect. We see her place unquestioning trust in Chakotay. She asks questions of him, but never questions him or his ability to do his job. We see this when Voyager is being attacked, and she asks if they are going to be granting asylum or not. He says they are, and she fires phasers, just like that. Could you imagine that moment if she didn't put her trust in him? If she questioned him, or felt she needed to run it by someone else? The Remurans would have destroyed the ship. I mean, it's unimaginable. But we've all worked for that person, or we know someone that's worked for that person, right? That person that asks you to do a job and then basically has it all done again, either by themselves or someone else, you know, you know, just just to be sure. God, that's just it's just demoralizing and it's an utter waste of time. And then respect. There are two times she confers with Chakotay and kind of puts him on the spot. The first time is during the staff meeting. The second, when they're being attacked. In both instances, she has the respect for Chakotay to meet with him as privately as possible. She isn't forcing him to air his personal laundry in front of everyone. In doing this, she can expect a more honest and complete response from him. Beyond that, she is, again, engendering loyalty and respect by demonstrating those things to him. Four for four, Janeway. Well done. Okay, I got a little off the beaten path on this one, but I hope there was some good stuff in there for you. Who out there disagrees with me? Who thinks... Who out there thinks this was a great episode? I would, I'd love to hear from you. I'm on all the social media at Jeff T Akin, Jeff T as in tracer, A K I N. And if you have enjoyed the Starfleet Leadership Academy, please leave a review and, and and tell a friend or a colleague about it. Now, let's see what we're gonna watch next time. heading back to the start of it all the first season of the original series episode 20 the alternative factor which is well it's an episode of star trek and it's one that people have feelings about <laughs> should be interesting so until then x astra scientia